Hey, this is James Ellis from the Talent Cast Podcast, and you're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast. So perhaps treat this message like an intervention. Why are you doing this to yourself? You have so much to live for. Why would you waste your time here, of all places? Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. <laughs> Let's get ready to podcast. What's up, Chad? Man, it's it's another day in paradise. How about uh, up north? Beautiful day here in Indianapolis, Indiana, as usual. God's country. Dude, so I, I'm totally stoked. I, I have this book in front of me. It's called Operation Cluster Puck. A puck with a, a, a P, not a, not a not cluster fuck. Um, that's a military <laughs> term. That's a military term that we use all the time. But uh, Operation Cluster Puck. Because no one outside of the military ever says cluster Yeah, puck. but we, we came up with that shit. So today on the Chad and Cheese podcast, we have Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss, co-authors of this amazing, very dark corporate comedy book called Operation Cluster Puck. And and, and I told Jennifer and Mike, I was like, dude, I'm not going to read the back of your book like most of the other lame podcasters. Yo, that John is so lame. I want to hear. Thanks for that. I, I want to hear from you guys. Who are you and what was the inspiration behind this series of books? And for those of us like me who haven't read the book, give us a synopsis. <laughs> sure. Uh, happy to. So uh, Jennifer and I um, are corporate communications professionals. So we have about 40 years of combined experience in all sorts of communications disciplines from marketing communications to public relations, internal communications, et cetera. And uh, we crossed paths at Best Buy headquarters, which is here in suburban Minneapolis, where we led the internal communications team. And unbeknownst to one another, we had been keeping copious notes of all the absurd and crazy and just sort of soul crushing experiences that that we've are these had. like the Comey notes? <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're just a little darker and a little funnier than, than the Comey notes. Um, and, and we were in a soul-crushing half-day meeting. You know, anybody who works in corporate America knows how those go. And we, we frankly made an excuse to sneak out, said we had a, uh, a crisis that we had to attend to. We went to a bar patio, started having drinks and swapping stories and uh, shared with one another that we'd always had the dream of writing a book and decided that... Uh, we would pinky swear that after we sobered up, we would actually give it a shot. And six years later, our first book came out, BS Incorporated. And about 18 months after that, uh, we wrote Operation Cluster Puck. Is six years longer than you thought it would take to write this book? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we, we like to joke and it's not so much of a joke that uh, working corporate communications and, you know, writing speeches for executives has a fair amount of fiction in it. But um, actually writing a fiction book, actually writing a novel um, took us a little time to figure out. So, yeah, six years. Um, we had no idea it was going to take that long. So was it mainly the mechanics of how the hell do we do this? Do we whiteboard? Do we do like one of those serial killer string boards? I mean, I <laughs> Was it just fig- figuring out the mechanics or, or, or was it because you were so damn busy on your day job that uh, it was really hard to actually pull together as well? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it was a little bit of both. Absolutely. Um, the mechanics of writing a novel and making it sound like one person wrote it, uh, that, that took some time to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we had really big jobs. I mean, 24-7 jobs, crisis communications and, you know, handling scandals at the corporate level. And, you know, so, you know, we're, we're like ducking um, in the back seats of the, you know, the corporate jet and jotting down notes. And I mean, we had no shortage of ideas and characters and things to put into these books about this big Midwestern company that's spiraling out of control and these middle managers who, who rise up to try to save the company from itself. You know, you lost a lot of sympathy when you said private jet, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds you know like what? so hard. Oh. Life is so hard in the back of the private oh. jet. No, it was champagne and caviar. It was awesome. <laughs> and. And we got, you know, we got behind closed doors in some conversations and some experiences in corporate America that people rarely get to mm-hmm. see. So um, we had a lot of insider stories that we wanted to share. And that what, that's what really fueled the book. So how much of the book is fiction and how much is based in reality? That is uh, the best question and the most common question we get. <laughs> the, the book is is uh, fictionalized versions of real events, essentially. Now, there are some pieces that we lift a scene that we actually lived, a, a meeting, a conversation, that type of thing. Um, but really, it's it's largely fiction, but it's written in such a way and it's drawn. You know, we, we like to joke it's ripped from the headlines. But so it's, the names uh, have been changed. To protect right, the right. But we hear from our readers all the time. They say, it seems like you snuck into our, my company, observed my daily life and then wrote a book about it. So it's really accessible for people. They will really see themselves in their companies in this, these books. So was this, I mean, inspiration wise, it w- w- was this, hey, there's possible fortune and fame uh, or this will help us kick off into a new career or you know what? This is just going to help my stress level. It will be incredibly cathartic to be able to get this, some, some of this out of my head. Yeah, um, it really started out as a as a cathartic exercise, and the first book, BS Incorporated, um, the manuscript was like 160,000 words, and most of it was just word for word these horrible, boring meetings we were sitting in, and. I mean, there are horrible meetings to sit in in real yes. life. Nobody wants to read no. that shit. I mean, no. are you kidding me? Like, it it was so awful, but it was really cathartic just to put it on paper, and then we pared it down and do something that we really, our goal was to just be entertaining. You know, we, we all, I think in our jobs have to read a lot of nonfiction books. Um, there's some really great ones out there that teach you lessons about leadership and team dynamics. A lot of them are very boring and we, we just wanted to write a book that makes people uh, realize they're not alone in the corporate world, um, have a sense of kind of a commisery of, and, and maybe hang out with some fictional characters that you wish you were having happy hour with in real life. So what's the book about? Uh, so, you know, it's uh, both books are about this giant Midwestern company that, as Jennifer said, is spiraling out of control um, and the executives make one bad decision after another. And we take you behind the scenes to a group of quirky, smart middle managers who are just trying to fight through the bureaucracy of consultants and and poor decisions and just, you know, getting bogged down in their day to day job. And eventually um, they, they figure out what's going wrong with the company and they, they have to band together despite their differences and figure out how to save this company from 
from itself because at the end of the day, we're not an anti-business story. Um, we're really about, you know, the, the joy and the pain of the corporate experience and all the great relationships you make along the way, um, as well as some of the, you know, the awful things you have to wade through to get through the day. So the book starts out with this big earth shaking event, and this is after BS Incorporated is acquires another company. There's new leadership. I mean, there are so many moving parts just at the start. I mean, I started reading this. I'm like, holy shit. I'm, I was like totally immersed right out of the gate, but it's pure chaos. Um, is that what you experienced in corporate life? Because this, this is a dark comedic and chaos lit laden book uh, that seems that it was really based closely on reality. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, you know, it might be weird to say thank you. Yeah, we're we're really dark, but um, yeah, it's it's <laughs> we we pride ourselves in that actually, and yeah, I mean, absolutely, some of this was stuff that we we encountered in real life or that we've seen in you know companies in our in our backyard here in Minneapolis, and certainly um, the ill-fated expansion to Canada is something that we experienced in the companies we worked for and have seen other ones um, in, and you know, we Mike and I have. Found have found ourselves in the companies that we've worked with, you know, mired in scandal and trying to help companies wade through um, changes at leadership at the top of the house. Maybe not as jarring and tragic as this book starts out, Operation Cluster Puck, um, but certainly uh, these are things that um, that we experienced. And you know, I. I've never had a job like my last where I had to sleep with my phone in my hand waiting for that 3 a.m. call that was going to be, oh, you know, now what? You know, now what has the company done? <laughs> now what has a CEO done? Which blows my mind because it's like every aspect of what's going on from a business standpoint and even some of these personal scandals and I mean, everything goes through communications or it should go through communications and it just doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. We had, uh, when we were at Best Buy, we had uh, three CEO transitions in a six month period. The, the current CEO resigned supposedly under, you know, just normal circumstances, but it turned out there was actually a scandal going on that the board of directors tried to cover up. And let's be clear, it was a sex scandal. Yes. And that, that blew up in uh, the board's faces. And so they appointed an interim CEO that everyone thought was going to get the job. And then a dark horse candidate came out of nowhere and then ended up getting the job. So we were constantly scrambling to try and get in front of uh, what was happening or just catch up to what was happening and trying to keep um, all of our audiences informed and not have them, you know, employees bailing on the company or investors uh, divesting of the company. And it was it was constant. As Jennifer said, it was a 24 hour a day, you know, mind fuck, essentially. Yeah, it's commercial time. OK, so we've already established texting is probably the best way to connect with candidates, right? Plus, next stats show 73% of professionals are open to receiving job opportunities via text. And with a 99% delivery rate, you cannot go wrong. Those are two big reasons why you got to love text to hire from next. That's right. Text to hire from next with the double X, not the triple X. Next has over 8 million candidates who have opted in to receive jobs via text, and you and your clients need qualified candidates. 
Next can help you find and target qualified candidates who have opted in for job opportunities via text. And in today's competitive market, you need an edge to reach qualified candidates faster. You need text to hire from Next. Just go to chadcheese.com and click on the Next logo to learn more about how you can gain a competitive edge with opt-in texting. Text to hire from Next. It just makes sense. It's showtime. So I'm envisioning office space for a book. How much of the influence was the movie, if at all? And I'm curious, most books have an antagonist. Did your book and tell us about that? Yeah, you know, it, how can you not be influenced by a movie like Office Space and, you know, <laughs> The Office? And I mean, God, those are great, great corporate stories, great office stories, you know, that you you watch even to this day. I mean, that movie is really old now when you watch that and go, God, I hate my job too. Like, yeah, that's, you know, my stapler is my, you know, the the hallmark of the best of my day. I mean, how sad is that? So yeah, I mean, absolutely you can't help but be influenced by stories like that and um and yeah we um uh you know we we watch movies like that and think why aren't there more stories that take place in the workplace it's such a rich environment um for all the craziness that happens and the characters that exist and um and so yeah i absolutely we were influenced by that and i think for me joel when we first started out my uh, my frame of reference was to write a story like fast times at ridgemont high <laughs> in a business setting so that so that uh you know, right. like ridgemont high in itself is a character in that movie right and that we wanted our business to be almost like a character in the book we wanted to have these unforgettable characters and this snappy dialogue and really just sort of immerse people in this world so that was my personal frame of reference going in and was there an antagonist in the story yeah yeah yes yeah. about the antagonist so um you know, in Operation Cluster Puck, certainly the the rise of Lyle Kirkland, who is the former chief operating officer, total who takes asshole, on the role. <laughs> completely. And we have worked for him um, at least. Uh, you know, he is not a person wholesale lifted from our real life, but he is an amalgam of several of our worst bosses we've ever had. All you know, squished mm -hmm. into one character, and um, and certainly, you know, he is unethical he is immoral and if you were to ask that character you know about this book he would consider himself the hero you know he's he's as a lot of executives do it's like ah, i make tough decisions but i do it for the good of the company when they are it's just completely selfish and and unethical but um you know people sometimes ask us like why don't you write about good leaders well because the bad ones are so much more fun to write about. Yeah, and we don't want to have a boring book. How about that? So, so, so instead of just talking about Kirkland, who's a total asshole, and you just said pretty much was a composite of, of different people, I'm going to throw some others out there. So, because I, I've heard that some of the characters in the book might have been supporting cast, um, were pretty much just pulled out of real life. So, what about Anna? Uh, so Anna is uh, shares a lot of DNA with my co-author Jennifer. To be honest with you, so <laughs> Anna um, and Jennifer are both very um, driven, very career-oriented people. Very smart, uh, very very good at what they do, and uh, it was a lot of fun to sort of take seventy percent of Jennifer and and create 30% of a fictional character um, around her. So I don't know if you want to add anything into that, Jennifer. Well, you know, early on in, in the first book, BS Incorporated, when we first handed that manuscript over to an editor and the, the, mm -hmm. the feedback was, you know, I don't know if Anna is likable. And I'm like, 
that's me. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that really personally. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, but yes, Anna is definitely we like Mike said, we share a lot of DNA. What about Will? Yeah, Will is um, heavily based on my co-author, Mike. Um, uh, similarly, you know, started out in a blue collar warehouse job, um, worked his way up in a uh, in corporate roles, um, uh, a very diplomatic and very um, earnest person. And let's face it, the true hero of the story. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I, and I will point out that even though the characters of Anna and Will um, share a lot of our experiences, um, Anna and Will do have a romantic relationship in the book. Yes. And that is where we that is where we digress okay, from real okay. life. Um, <laughs> we as our um, running joke used to be that uh, uh, Mike and I are married, just not to each gotcha. other. What about what about Eric, who was another asshole? Uh, so Eric, yeah, he's uh, he is drawn pretty much from scratch, I think, right? I'm not sure if we had a... Uh, well, to be honest, he's a tiny bit based on an ex-boyfriend I had, but <laughs> just a little bit. But but Eric is that classic, good-looking, charismatic guy who has, you know, a, a blind spot the size of the state of Missouri and just can't sort of get past himself and thinks he can do no wrong. But in the end, isn't, isn't evil like Lyle Kirkland. Um, he's just self-absorbed and... Uh, that's really what trips him up in the end. Was there any uh, permissions that you, you guys need needed to get as, you know, Best Buy? I mean, you, ha- you guys had influences. You said this was loosely based. Have you had any issues with uh, lawsuits or people being upset by the story and the characters in it? You know, we, we haven't. And we are firm believers in that old adage to uh, ask forgiveness instead of permission. So we just uh-huh. we just <laughs> Join the club. rolled ahead and told the story and told these characters. And and certainly, especially with the first book, we had um, we had people read it. You know, they were texting us constantly like, oh, come on. Like you didn't even try to, you know, veil this character. It's like, <laughs> clearly, this is me. Come on. Like the, we had this conversation on page 42. Like, come on. Um, so I think people were maybe a, t- a tad worried for the sequel, like, well, like, uh, now what have you done? Like, what notes did you take in what meeting that is going to show up in Operation Clusterfuck? Uh-huh. But, uh, but I guess the good news is that the people the who might sue us, those bad leaders never see themselves in, right. in the bad characters. They're never that self-aware. So yeah. um, we were pretty secure in the fact that you know, even though we lifted some horrible conversations right from real life that they would right. never remember. Right. That wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's she talking about? So your supporting cast in, in Will and Anna's team, they seemed incredibly real, almost like you picked them right out of reality. They didn't seem like uh, composites. Is, is that pretty much, did that make it easier to write? So you're like, okay, so at this point, they're, they're supporting characters, so we feel like we can just really nail these guys on the head. Yeah, almost to a person, every one of them started with a real person. And, and the real fun in that is, you know, we would choose someone for the most part that we both knew. So we had a great starting point. And, and I think the best example of that is Benny, the PR manager, um, Susan Benedetti, everyone calls her Benny. Yeah. Um, so she's she's based on a good friend of ours named Lisa, and uh, she she's very much like that. She's a Bostonian. She's bold. She swears like a sailor. She just sort of storms in and out of every room she's in. Love she's her. A, like her. She's a real life real life scene stealing um, person, and um, every everybody we know like 
immediately said, oh, that's Lisa. Everyone knew that was Lisa. And so she was a really fun one to write because we could take some some actual things that our friend Lisa had said, some of the hilarious one-liners. And then it was just fun to make stuff up knowing that it was just true to her character as well. Curious, there are a lot of uh, external sources for commentary on the workplace. So I'm sure you're familiar with Glassdoor. Indeed has reviews, Twitter, obviously. There are a lot of sources for sort of external commentary. Did you guys use any of that? And, and if you did, talk about that. Well, that's a, it, that's a great point. Um, you know, I think in both, in the cases of writing both books, um, we had such a rich um, folder of materials from our own experiences. Again, no, no shortage of stories. We ended up having to lop some out of the manuscript because it was too long. Um, but we certainly talked to friends. We talked to people who worked at different different companies. Um, Operation Cluster Puck um, was based in some uh, companies that we had been consulting for. Um, and we also had the benefit of, you know, while we didn't necessarily um, uh, look directly at feedback like Indeed and Glassdoor, um, we also had the benefit of doing a ton of interviews like this for the first book where it's like, podcasters would turn off the mics and say, okay, let me tell you about the batshit crazy thing that happened at the company I used to work for. So again, <laughs> we got some great stories from, from people that we would say, you know what, we weren't there. This is somebody else's story, but man, this is going in the book. That's awesome. So in the kind of consolidation or acquisition that was happening, automation started to take center stage. Did either of you have experience with like communications around automation starting to take center stage, like the best buys of the world or some of your clients? Um, or was that just something that you ripped out of the headlines? Um, again, it, it's a little bit of both. So we, you know, we worked for Best Buy long enough to where um, social media and social uh, internal social media really exploded. And and what sort of electronic and digital tools could we use to communicate with employees? And we were fortunate to be given a lot of freedom to to spearhead those kinds of things. So, you know, working with IT, which is always, a, you know, a bit of a like a dentist visit in every meeting, um, we, we managed to, to push through and get some things done. But we also did rip some things from the headlines. So obviously, we had experience at Best Buy and Best Buy went into Canada with sort of middling success. But Target, which is also based here in Minneapolis, went into Canada with a huge splash and basically got kicked back across the southern border. And they had yeah. some real genuine automation issues and just some silly human error issues that that we touched on a little bit in the book too, like not converting to the metric system yeah. or not or not realizing it's 10 boxes to a case instead of 12 or whatever that might be. So they they had a, a rich story of failure really that we could just draw little pieces from because we're not trying to tell that story in particular. But you know the combination of all businesses facing, you know, challenges with systems and automation, along with the human error side of it can create, you know, a clusterfuck. So are you guys working on a new book? And if so, what's it about? Yeah, you know, we, we've always said that we we may continue this universe, but um, but to be honest, you know, we, we're kind of taking a page out of the, the Marvel comic universe of like, what if we told something from an expanded business world? And so book three, um, we are um, sketching out right now, um, may have a couple of minor characters overlapping, but um, really is a, a new industry new characters um and we, we want to tell something um something a little different something um that we've had some experience in from a consulting perspective 
um, kind of the, the the wild west, if you will, of, of what's going on um, with some of business growth in, in some new industries. So sorry to be vague, but um, but still, you know, putting thoughts on paper and you know, people sometimes ask us, like, are you afraid you're going to run out of business stories to tell? Well, no. no. Good <laughs> Lord. Have you no. worked in corporate America? <laughs> like, no, we just have to choose which one, not not to go right. dig one up. As you guys have done this for a while, do you find that things are changing rapidly or do you find that the more things change, the more they stay the same? You know, I think the, the human element stays the same. Um, certainly, the the business landscape is rapidly evolving, as you mentioned, with automation and digital tools. And, and there's an entirely new, you know, the startup culture is sort of permeating even big companies now that they want to mimic and mirror that. So, so that landscape is sort of shifting beneath our feet. But in the end, people are people. And you're always going to run across, you know, absurdity, selfishness, greed, all those kinds of, you know, the seven deadly sins, so to speak, of human behavior set on a shifting landscape. And, and that's why we feel like there's there's many, many stories yet to be told. Okay. So I have to say I'm sad because first and foremost, I received Operation Cluster Puck and it's one of those things where, you know, I either dive into it or I just think it sucks and it gets half read and it is what it is, right? At the end of this book, um, much like many of the kind of like Netflix series that you get into that you really enjoyed at the end of the last episode, you're like, oh, fuck, I'm done. I got to wait till the next season, right? <laughs> That's where I was. So I went online and I'm like, oh, shit, there's a first book. I can do this like kind of like, you know, almost like the prequel. So I, I bought the first book because I enjoyed Operation Cluster Puck so much, but I have to say I'm kind of pissed that you're not carrying it on to a, a trilogy. So uh, I would like to make a request that uh, you definitely pull some of those characters over. Um, and also, what about audiobooks. Are you guys looking at doing audibles at all or, or anything like that? Well, first of all, you've now just made us feel like um, big little lies where it's like, <laughs> wait, this is the end of the series? It's like, no, wait exactly. a second. We want to know what happens next. So, um, no, but thank you for that. And um, and yeah, I mean, if, if first of all, if you read Operation Cluster Puck, you know, you, you don't need to, to know the background to jump into that one, as you said. Um, BS Incorporated is kind of the origin story of, you know, Anna's first day at the company and you know how how the company has has progressed. So um, so definitely you can read them out of order. It's all good. Um, and as far as audio, um, yeah, we've danced around that idea. We thought it might be fun. Um, you know, I, I would I would love to um, you know get like the the leases of the world are are real people to to play their characters in the audio version. I don't know if that's possible, but wouldn't that be fun? That would be fun. And if for some reason we we don't go back to this you know this company and this set of characters, there's always an opportunity for for other people to write fan fiction. Of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so what about what about are you pitching this because this is this is funny shit. This is very office space like. Are you pitching this to 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 any companies to prospectively being on the big screen or anything like that? That is the big dream for sure. And we've had a couple of conversations that that just haven't materialized. And of course, that's that's the thing that gets a, an author really excited the the opportunity to take these characters and this story and put it up on the big screen. So nothing has materialized yet, but uh, our phone lines are open for anyone who might be interested. <laughs> well, I have to say, Jennifer Rock. And Michael Voss, again, the book is called Operation Cluster Puck. 
um where 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 can they find out more give us all the websites give us all the uh the, the socials and all that other fun stuff well you know our, our central location for all things cluster puck is rock and and from there you can find direct links to get the books on amazon on barnes and noble direct from our distributor you know all the places that fine books are sold and you know dark humor and not so fine books are sold so um you can find us all there online and and you know what you can find our uh, our social media and our email address out there as well. And, you know, if you've got a particularly um, awful corporate experience story that you would like to share with us to see in a, a wound into a future book, man, we'd love to hear that too. Awesome. Thanks guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Excellent. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast, the chat, the cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting, they talk about technology, but most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know, and yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. There's so many cheeses, and not one word. So weird. Anywho... Be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chadcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business, when you need it, from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.